Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. About 74 years ago in Jersey, around this time of year, April, May 1945, the island of Jersey was in a very unusual situation. Many of you know the story already, but I'm going to just repeat it for those who are listening from the rest of the world. But Jersey had been occupied by the Nazi forces for many years. And then in June 1944, a year before the war ended, in June 1944, D-Day happened when the Allied forces landed on the beaches of France and they started the victory into Europe. But it was another 11 months before May 1945 when victory in Europe was achieved and Germany surrendered and we won. And in those 11 months, the war was being won. We'd already broken the power of the enemy but the war still had to be mopped up. The feet of the soldiers had to claim the ground. And we in Jersey were living in this strange position where in Europe we knew they were gaining ground every single day and they were pushing the enemy back. But we in Jersey, and when I say we, I wasn't even born yet, but I consider myself part of it. We were living with an occupied force still here we knew the war was being won. It was almost won, but there was this in-between time. And I want to say to you that that is the most excellent illustration of the time we as Christians live in today. Revelation 12 tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he broke the power of the devil over planet Earth. But then Revelation 20 tells us that the devil will eventually be thrown in the lake of fire. And in this in-between time, between D-Day in June 1944 and V-E Day in May 1945, that's the same period that the Christian church lives in, between when Jesus died and broke the power of the devil to the final time when he gets thrown in the lake of fire. There's an in-between period where he's been defeated, but he is still being pushed back. And Revelation 12 Verse 12 talks about how the devil's been thrown out of heaven. He no longer has a place of power in heaven, but he's now on earth. And it says he's roaming around because he knows that his time is short and he's trying to hurt as many people as he can in the short time before his end comes. And that's when it says we, the Christians, overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of of our testimony. And today, my dear brother or sister Christian who's listening, I want to tell you, don't lose heart. Don't worry. Don't fear. Don't think, oh, this war is too much against evil and, and pain and sickness and suffering. We are gaining ground. And the book of Romans is a beautiful book where Paul writes to this church in Rome who were undergoing severe persecution. The emperor of Rome, the, the Caesar of Rome was a very cruel man. 
There was Claudius and then there was Nero. They were cruel and they persecuted Christians. They killed Christians. And the Christians were standing up in the face of opposition from without. There was also spiritual opposition. And within there were divisions and arguments and misunderstandings in the church. And Paul writes the whole of the letter of Romans to them. And right at the end, in the last chapter of the book of Romans, he's giving his final greetings. He says, greet this guy, greet this person, greet this family, greet, greet, greet. And then there's this tiny little section of a few verses where most people believe Paul took the pen from the man who was dictating, who was writing the letter. Paul took it and he wrote three or four verses in his own handwriting and then he gave it back and Tertius, the writer, then finished the book. And I want to read you these four verses now. And I want you to see something beautiful because we're talking about us being overcomers. And we, just like the church in Rome, can overcome. So in Romans 16 verse 17, he says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And then this is the verse, this last verse that I want to focus on today. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And then he gives the pen back to Tertius and Tertius carries on with the greetings and, and there's a few more verses in the letter. But Paul felt it important to write these few verses. And I believe he's speaking to you and to me. He says the God of peace will crush Satan shortly under your feet. And I'm just going to go through those points today. First of all, the God of peace. Did you know that God is called a God of war in the Old Testament? In Exodus chapter 14, it says Jehovah is a mighty man of war, but his main name is the God of peace. The word shalom in Hebrew in the Old Testament comes up again and again and again, and it means peace, but it carries with it the meaning of rest, of friendship, of security, of salvation, of healing, of joy. Shalom, peace is a very, very common word in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, peace comes up again and again. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave you. Not as the world gives. Do you remember when, when Jesus was leaving, he gave peace to them. And peace is a gift from God. God is the God of peace. He wants us as Christians to have his peace. Let me read you a couple of these verses. John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. 
Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace. Again and again, Paul says, we've come to bring reconciliation and peace. Ephesians 2, it says, he preached peace to those who were far and peace to those who were near. He destroyed the dividing wall and made peace between us. It's peace with God. It's peace with other people. And then it's a peace of God that floods our hearts and our minds. When Jesus came, the angels said uh, in Luke 2, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. God is a God of peace. He wants peace for you. Friends, I, I want to tell you, God has a gift of peace for you. I heard about a man who does a lot of street ministry. He walks around on the streets and he prays for people and he witnesses to people. And he said the one prayer that God always answers, even if the person is antagonistic towards him, he says, can I just pray for you to have peace? And he just gently puts his hand on their shoulder and he says, Lord, give them peace. And he said the people always say, wow, the peace of God just floods their hearts. In Luke chapter 10, when Jesus was sending out the, the followers to go and witness in every town, he said, when you enter a place, let your peace rest on that house. And if they're a friendly house, then your peace will remain. But if they're not, then you shake the dust off your feet and you move to the next place. We bring peace. Romans 10, in this very book of Romans, he says, how can people hear unless someone preaches to them? And then he says, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. We have peace with God, we have peace from God, and we bring people into peace with each other. God is the God of peace, just like the soldiers in World War II had an aim of peace. They didn't like war. They didn't want to be in the trenches shooting and killing and fighting and enduring. Peace was what they were aiming for and we are aiming for peace. But my second point is very important. You can't have peace without overcoming an enemy. And this is important. <laughs> he says to the Romans, the God of peace, and as he says that, you can imagine them just remembering the peace of God that has flooded their lives, the peace that rules in their hearts. Colossians 3 verse 15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That peace that's in them, they're remembering that peace, but he says that God will crush Satan. Peace, crush Satan. Those two seem so opposite, but we need to crush him in order to let God's peace flood our lives and flood the world. And this is where many of us as Christians are struggling. We have to have an attitude of, I can overcome in Christ. I am an overcomer. And Paul was saying to them, you, Christians, yes, he's a God of peace. Yes, you have peace from God. But God wants to crush Satan under your feet. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. What, what ideas come up in their minds when they hear this? Well, it goes right back to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, God comes in and he says, well, these are the consequences. Adam, now the ground will not produce fruit for you. Eve, you're going to struggle in relationships and childbearing will be painful. Satan, you are going to try and strike the heel of, of Adam and Eve's children. 
and their seed, singular, one of their sons, you will try and strike his heel and his heel will crush your head. Amen. Right from then, all the way through the Bible, this theme of we through Christ crush the head of Satan again and again. Do you remember Jesus when he sends out his, his followers to witness? He says, you will trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means harm you. That's the idea that we have. And I suspect that we may not have got this. Can you imagine a person living in Jersey in 1945 who was born in the occupation? So they're only going to be three, four, five years old. But all they've known is an occupying force living in their island, living in our island. And they come to a, a place of just appeasement. They say, well, we'll just live with the, with the occupying soldiers. We'll just live with it. We won't try and resist. We won't try and push back. And Paul was saying to Christians, don't just live with this. God wants peace, but it's under your feet. You have to crush some enemies in order to get the peace. And I feel this so strongly in my heart, Christians. I think we've been lulled into a sleepy attitude where we, we don't even think of the devil anymore. And as a result, he comes like a snake and he comes deceptively into our midst and he brings division and he sows discord and mistrust and he brings temptations and he puts thoughts in people's minds and he, he loves to just lure us away and just get us so fascinated with the shimmering light of the TV that we no longer read the Bible or pray, that we don't go out and witness to the lost, we don't help the needy because the devil's just lulled us into the sleepy state. And Paul says, the God of peace wants to crush Satan under your feet, Christians. Do you remember when Joshua was going into the promised land? What did God say to him? Every place the sole of your foot will tread, I have given it to you. God had already given it to him. God had already won the victory. God had already paid the price for them to have the promised land. But they had to go step by step. It was only when the sole of their foot tread on a place that the victory of God, which was already won, became a reality. Christian, please, please, please. How many of us are living in families of discord with family members at odds with one another or, or family members living far from Christ or, or there's pain, there's sickness, there's financial stress. There's issues around us or in our, our society and God is saying, I've given you the victory. Just step on it. Just claim that land. Just like Paul said to the Romans, he's saying to us, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. You see, this is the other error we have. We either live in the past or we live in the future. Some of us live completely in the past where we say Jesus defeated the devil on the cross therefore there's nothing I need to do it would be a bit like the allied soldiers saying D-Day has happened therefore we don't need to mop up the rest of Europe meanwhile not um, Hitler's still alive and well 
That's living in the past. Others of us live in the future. We say, yes, the devil will be thrown into the lake of fire one day at the end of time, and it's all God's doing. I don't have to do anything. But God says it's under your feet shortly. That means soon. And I must ask you the question, dear Christian, are you seeing victories over Satan shortly in your lives, every day or every week? Are you seeing these victories? Because if you're not, you're probably living in the past or in the future. And God says shortly, expect victories. Expect to overcome sickness. Expect to overcome problems in your life, in your society, in your family. Shortly, God will overcome Satan. Right. I'm going to just talk about five ways that we need to do this. Number one, we need to have an overcoming attitude. The first thing you and I need to do, I'm going to make this very practical for you and I. Number one, are you an overcomer? If I said to you, my dear Christian, do you see yourself as an overcomer? Do you see yourself as a lion or as a lamb? Do you see yourself as the head or the tail? Are you overcoming or are you undergoing? Which one are you? We need to be able to say, in Christ, I am an overcomer. We need to have an attitude that is front foot Christianity. James 4 verse 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The problem is you've got to have a front foot attitude to resist him rather than just be passive and say, whatever will happen will happen. And if you're not there, just say, God, I know this is how you see me. Please help me to see myself as an overcomer. Please help me to speak words of faith and victory rather than of defeat every day. Amen. Number one was have an overcoming attitude. Number two is proclaiming the gospel of peace. You know, in Ephesians 6, it lists the armor that we as Christians have, the weapons that we have. And one of them, it says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means I'm willing to share the gospel and I'm looking for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. This is the second way that we crush the devil under our feet is by sharing the gospel, by telling people about Christ, by inviting people to church events, by social media posts that tell people about God, by supporting bigger initiatives where we get the gospel out. Every time we share the gospel, the God of peace is crushing Satan under our feet. So that's number two. Number three is prayer. Obviously, when we pray, we're crushing Satan under our feet. If we pray warfare prayers, not always just, you know, kind of please, please, would you wring our hands prayers, but aggressive prayers. There's this little word in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, where it's talking about prayer. It says the Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness because you do not know how you ought to pray, but he makes intercession for us with words, with groans that words cannot express. And that word helps us in our weakness is a long Greek word, sun anti lambanamai, which means he takes hold of situations with us against an enemy. That's what that word means. Sun means together, anti means against, and lambanamai means takes hold of. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He takes hold of situations together with us. He groans through us in prayer. And as we pray, we are pushing back the devil 
and the Lord of peace, the God of peace, is crushing Satan under our feet. Right, I've just got two more. We've spoken about the gospel and attitude and prayer. What about obedience and righteousness? Listen to these two verses that have this phrase, the God of peace, in them. Philippians 4 verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. When you obey Christ, when you obey, when you just live a godly life, the God of peace is with you, and he's crushing Satan. You know, when you live a godly life, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, we are the salt of the world, we are the light, we shine, we change the world. Um, but he says, men will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Just by living a, a life of honesty, integrity, honor, keeping your word, not gossiping, not joining in with the rude jokes, whatever it is, just by living a clean life, you are extending the gospel. There's more of those verses, many, many more. Righteousness and peace go together so much in the Bible, but I don't have time to go into those now. And I want to close with the last one, and it's about unity. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11, he says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. He says when you as Christians live as a family with honor, with love, with one mind, with unity, with peace, he says then the God of peace is with you. And I want to close with this. This last little section of Romans 16 that Paul wrote was about unity. That's what it was all about. Listen to what he says. He starts off in verse 17. I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. And if I jump forward then, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. He says, whenever we let the devil cause disunity, distrust, division, where we speak badly about each other, where we get offended, he says, note those who cause offense. You know, if somebody says something to you about another Christian, you have a choice to either get offended or to say, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know the situation. I'm not going to believe that. And I'm asking you to realize that every time you get offended, you're allowing the devil to take ground in your life. Hebrews 12 talks about a root of bitterness that grows up and then defiles many, many people. And he says, don't let that happen. Don't let anyone take the grace of God in vain. Don't let a root of bitterness grow. Every time you get offended, he says that you're giving the devil ground, but if you don't allow offense to come in. In fact, he goes so far as to say, note the people who make you want to be offended and avoid them. Say, I can't be listening to that talk. I, I'm sorry, I just don't want to hear that kind of talk about another Christian. He says, if you do that, the God of peace is crushing Satan under your feet. The Lord has spoken to me very, very strongly about this recently. I, you know, if the devil's attacks were blatant and clear and upfront, we would easily defeat them, wouldn't we? But he comes subtly. 
And one of the main ways he comes is he says, if there's a group of Christians who are united, they will defeat me. Therefore, let me cause division. And it's such a difficult thing because gossip just spreads. And when a person hears that gossip has been said about them, they can either spend hours trying to track it down and find out who started the rumor, or they can just say, oh, well, I'm hoping that the people have a good enough character that they'll come and speak to me and won't believe that rubbish. And that's what most of us do. I know it's happened to me and many other leaders in our church. The devil has attacked us with unbelievable things said about us and really some weird accusations. And we figure, shall I track all these down or shall I just leave it and say, I'm trusting people to be of good enough integrity to not believe it. But I want to say to you, and I'm not going to say this often, but I want to say today, just like Paul picked up the pen for the Romans, he said, this is important. The God of peace wants to have peace amongst us. If you hear something about another Christian, I said you've got two options. There's actually three. You can either be offended, or you can say, I'm not going to believe it because I don't know all the facts. Or the third option is you can do something about it. You can go to the person who's mentioned and say, is this true about you? Or you can say to the person who's saying it, stop spreading lies and division. And as we do that, we are taking background. We're treading on the devil. And it will happen shortly. Shortly. I want us to be a church who are expecting to overcome, who are expecting to have more unity next week than we did this week, who are expecting to have the gospel spreading through us more next week than we do this week, who are expecting more righteousness and obedience in our lives next week than this week, who are expecting to have victories in prayer more next week than we do this week. Let's be overcomers, amen? Let's not just sit back and say, oh, well, the enemy is irrelevant. We're not scared of him. God has already given us the victory, but it's as our feet tread on ground that we take it for the Lord. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.